0: Welcome to The Prestige Season 3. This is a podcast all about films, filmmaking, filmmakers, and film theory. As we move into our third season, we are mixing it up again a little bit. So, whereas we last season we took a a franchise in turn and went through each one, this week, each month, each this, this season, each month, we are going to be looking at a different director, looking at their early films, their later films, and how they've changed over the, the course of their filmography and the ideas and the sort of themes that they pull together. Each week we can move from their filmography. We can review it, our feelings on it, discuss some ideas we think it throws together. And as always, we we'll render recommendations following this week's film for further reading outside of that uh, that director's filmography that uh, may inform your viewing of that film. Before we kick off, we also have a little catch-up on what else we've been viewing in the last week. This time it will be in the last month, to be honest, given our season break. So Sam, what have you been watching since we last spoke?
1: Right. Um, since we last spoke... I've seen a couple of films um, most recently this cinema actually I went to see a film which is the latest in a franchise which I very much enjoy and have talked about on the podcast before and it's not something you would necessarily associate with me but it is the latest in the Despicable Me franchise and uh, it's it's not Absolutely amazing, but it's is is perfectly good and is is really quite enjoyable and it's an hour and a half long as all films should be and it's just a a thoroughly entertaining time. Steve Carell does good voice work and Kristen Wiig. I know your favourite actress. Um, is also very good. Um. Yeah, it's it's well well worth watching. Thoroughly enjoyable. Although I can understand that you would probably not see it in isolation. It does require a certain amount of knowledge of the backstory. I so think I've use. seen
0: some of the first film,
1: right? Okay, and that's well
0: as deep as my spickle Mean knowledge goes. Oh the God. minions have kind of ruined it all for me, and I can't I can't just go there. I can't do it.
1: The thing, the thing about *Despicable Me* is that the you don't have to enjoy the minions. The, the The best thing about it is the relationship between the two main characters and the relationship between the main character and his children. Um. So yeah, minions take or leave them, but in in essence, it's great.
0: I actually, given the break, have actually seen some things This, this, this for, for, for once that we can talk about in, in the podcast. Wow. I know, I know. Um, there are only two that I'm really going to highlight that I think are probably worth discussing. Uh, well, one's worth discussing, one I'm going to mention because cause I think I should. Um, the littler one is Mulan 2. Uh, now, I'm a bit of a Disney nut, I like all Disney films, and I've never watched all of the sequels. Despite owning them all, I've never even really watched all the little sequels that they've done. And so what's *Mulan 2*. *Mulan 2* has a frankly brilliant cast. It's got Lucy Liu in the support characters. It's got all the original cast come back from the second film. Every
1: when when was it made?
0: Um, it was made. I don't know actually. Um, I'm gonna go and Google it. It was a, probably a couple of years after the first *Mulan*. Um, they, oh right. The, the okay. *Mulan*. So it was made in 2005. Um, and the original *Mulan* was in 2008. Uh, no, so seven years later. Right. Um, but every Asian actor in America of quality has appeared in Mulan too. It picks up with some of the same characters. It's kind of the, the story itself is a, is a bit probably rote, but the songs are good. The you um, can see the characters back, and it's it's a very enjoyable experience. For some of the sequels, Disney can be a little bit subpar, shall we say? A little bit like phoning in the um, the, the parts, and whilst they didn't get any Murphy back, mm-hmm. everyone else came back. It's still it's definitely one of the better sequels, I must say. But that was small one. The bigger one that I've seen that probably is well, in a bit more discussion was the 2017 film Ghost in the Shell.
1: Aha. Uh-huh.
0: Starring Scarlett Johansson, uh, infamously Scarlett um, Johansson, and a, a plethora of other actors. It, it's an adaption of some parts of the 1995 uh, anime film and some parts of its sequel, uh, Ghost in the Shell, Innocence Lost, I think it's called. Um It got a lot of critical feedback in terms of its casting of a white actress in a historically Asian role in the major, and whilst this is handled a little bit in the film, it isn't handled well, and it isn't handled uh, to any great extent. That being said, I thoroughly enjoyed watching the film. I'm always a sucker for any kind of dystopian cyberpunk, and I'm a big fan of the original, so I certainly enjoyed this, and I do find... Scarlett Hansen very watchable as an actress and I enjoy her <laughs> m- I enjoy her move towards a more action star based role these days with her, her roles in Lucy and things like the um Marvel films
1: Lucy's a terrible film. It is Lucy
0: is an abysmal film, but she is good in it and the the yeah. way she has transitioned from being I suppose a ingenue in her early days into a, a rom-com actress into what these days appears to be a waif-like action star. I do enjoy her her chain I do enjoy her doing these movies, um, and I yeah. enjoyed her in it. And I very much enjoyed um the other sort of the supporting cast, um the international cast that made up her her team around her. But the the visual visual design is, is spotless, outstanding. Um, the 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 Tokyo that they they portray is everything you want a real life version of the animated be. So it isn't without problems. Um it certainly isn't without controversy. But I think it is taken outside of that, it is a very good film and I very much enjoyed it.
1: Um, yeah, but just looking, she's in um the that new Atomic Blonde one, isn't she? I I
0: I didn't know that, but I I am looking for that one myself, yes.
1: So she's um oh hang on, no, it's not. It's it's another blonde surprising surprising uh Action star actress that's moved on from ingenue and rom-com roles. It's Charlize Theron. Mm.
0: Well, I mean, Mad Max was was the first step towards that. I um, yes. and so yeah, it's a. I, I enjoy this the rise of the female action star, which we've seen a lot of years. I think that's it's certainly an interesting dynamic.
1: Right then, um, this week. What, what are we looking at this week bro
0: so this week we are starting off uh with our season three looking at catherine Bigelow um actor actress, actress uh, director of many films of the years and we're starting with one of her early films the 2000 the 1991 film point break the ultimate rush There's nothing that comes close to it not even sex. We are
1: the ex-president. Total commitment.
0: It's a real thin line between life and death. I'm not a cook. It's
1: not tragic to die doing what you love. If you want the ultimate, you got to be willing to pay the ultimate price. Point break.
0: It essentially, it's the tale of a FBI agent, a fresh, green agent, paid by Colonel uh, Reeves, Johnny Utah, um, who is sent to LA to work in robbery, robbery and uh, catches a case about the ex-presidents, a group of bank robbers who have successfully, so far, never been caught. Working on the theory that they are travelling surfers, he inveigles himself in the surfing community and comes across who he believes to be the the ex-presidents along the way he meets bode who appears to be some sort of spiritual-esque leader i suppose of a group of local surfers um and he certainly grows close to that life putting distance between him and his fbi colleagues and tension um as his lies build sam this is a a classic film a classic of the action genre how does it hold up for you
1: I really enjoyed this. Um, It's something that we have talked about um, quite recently, um, is I most recently experienced this film through the lens of it having the mitt taken out of it slightly in um, hot fires. But I think why this film works is that... Catherine Bigelow is herself sending up this sort of machismo that um, that Nick Frost character doesn't seem to understand that Butterfield doesn't seem to understand that that's what a great cop should be. Um, and it's this machismo that you have in um, A Man Like Pappas at the FBI. So from the very beginning it's very critical of that, very negatively critical of that. And um, and I also found it sort of quite near the beginning of the film it's it's fairly empowering to its female characters and I enjoyed that as well because it's the way in which it it undermines this machismo takes in the way that the female characters are represented you have Utah's sort of voyeuristic gaze when Tyler's getting undressed when she's changing right at the beginning and then actually that's subverted because Utah doesn't see anything titillating and it's sort of a a bit of a oh right there's, there's no real satisfying quote unquote ending to this scene and it's just a woman getting changed doing something functional after being good at what she does. I think that is is very much what this film sets out to be. This is sort of the scene that comes right right near the beginning of the film sets out this film's stall for it being a film about a woman doing something well and being good at her job, and in so doing, showing how there's something a bit flawed in the masculine way of doing it and it seems to me that the way that um tyler's character is presented is is very much a cipher for the way that bigelow sees herself as a filmmaker at the beginning of the 90s went quite deep quite quickly there but yeah i really very much enjoyed this film
0: good i i i, I can't disagree with your assessment of the film i very much once again enjoy this film i think it'd be very hard to enjoy this film not enjoy this film i think I mean, you're right i think it works and one of the test of time is it is unusual in the way it handles um, a lot of things in this film I mean, if you think we're what we're in 1991 here so we're just coming out of the 80s 80s infamous for what is known as the hard body genre so you're looking at the stallones the, the schwarzeneggers the idea of the muscles um is, is the action hero it is all about these physically hard physically solid bodies um in its male and female characters um but even the female characters are sexualized in a hard body way it's all about the bodies um that's why if you watch any 80s action films it's all about oiled up you know men and women um and it's not, i mean not, not, not sexualized in that way though it certainly is it's it's about the body beautiful. Um, and it's about that certain sort of way the bodybuilding-esque toned, ripped kind of thing and I wouldn't say it's overly sort of I wouldn't say it's overly like a sexualized thing for men in the same way that some films are, but that's very much what was the, the zeitgeist of, of the action genre of the era. so this comes in, I think, as a, a very much a reaction to that you've taken someone like Connie Reeves who at this point whilst being a certainly a, a hot actor, wasn't a pin-up in the way that uh, he he came to be, certainly, off this film. And once again, you've got people like um, Patrick Swayze, who certainly is a pinup, but in a very different kind of way. I think on top of that, on top of its its theories and its percentage, it's a very well-made film. I made a little note when I was watching it through, um, which basically the opening scene is literally there is zero fat on any of the cuts It's even less than zero we are dropped into the middle of every single scene as it happens hmm. there's no preamble there's no scenes of things sitting up there's no scenes of any kind of everything we are dropped in and we pick up as we go and that it, it, it's, i mean it makes it a you're straight into the story you're straight into what's happening but it creates that that urgency In the story, that all these things are happening, 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 happening. The way that every sort of little scene you drop into, you drop into it exactly at the moment you need to. There is no, there's nothing but you're out as soon as it's done. The robberies, Mm. the scenes um, with the FBI, there is no kind of him driving up and sitting there and waiting. You literally drop into the scene with him and uh, John C. Riley. John John C. McGinley. Uh, you, You literally drop in as they're talking. There's no, there's no messing around. And the same thing for almost the entire film um, there is it slows down a little bit and the editing is a great thing it slows down once you start he starts hitting the um beaches and sort of getting more with the kind of a spiritual side of the surfing community that stuff slows down and there's certainly a, a lingering visual motif with the surfing particularly but outside of that it is go 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 and you just you it cuts so fast but it creates this kind of this change as the film goes forward that you feel him stepping away from his um, sort of very ordered, very rigid, very fast-paced FBI life into the more, not easygoing, but certainly different-tempoed surfing spiritual life.
1: Yeah, there's that. I'm, I'm trying to remember the first scene. The first scene, it has him at, at doing target practice, mm. isn't it? Yeah, so there's no um there's a sense it does this with the music and the rain and the sort of tension built around him shooting you think something bad's going to happen so immediately from the very beginning they're building tension i mean mm. the, the way that it's edited you feel apprehensive about what's going to happen to utah and then you find out that it's just a training drill but you think it's something... I mean, it's not something I put in recommendations. It just, just occurred to me, and it's it's a film that we've looked at in the podcast, but it, it reminds me of the way that the training sessions are presented in Silence of the Lambs with jo- the way that Jodie Foster's FBI training regime is shown with, mm-hmm. with that run through the woods. And you, you sort of... It's like you say you're you're scrambling to keep up because you're thrown into the middle of it, and also there's there's this sense of urgency, the sense of apprehension for the main character right from the off.
0: But I think that, that's how that works. It, it's meant to feel hectic, and it's supposed to be balanced out with him. But I think as you hit on it more, and this is the, certainly the, the sort of the the theme that I wanted to explore a little bit in terms of of this movie was the idea of the female gaze. Now it's something that anyone who's kind of done any any time on the internet um or in genders understand the idea of male gaze and female gaze but for those who don't know essentially the idea is that you you're looking at people from a female or male point of view um this is you know, i'm sure people who are so generous can tell me how raw i am but this is my thing of it so a female a male gaze is beer adverts it's the way in which many things are sexualized and women presented to us as sexual objects or like, I the, the, the the male view is what's driving the visual images here i would say the nature of the film and the, of the, of the director presents us with a, ma- a female gaze mm. and you've got these two the two main studs of the film so you can kind of certainly aren't a male power fantasy now, we've had that in the 80s with 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 The Body Beautiful. Here we're looking at much more feminine ideas of beauty and attraction. And they're presented to us in those manners. One one thing that really struck me, and this is because I'm a man and I have a male gaze, um, there's a scene in which you see Laurie Petty in her shirt. Just her shirt, open shirt. And in any other film, that would be a sexy sexual or sexy moment. But here, because of... Laurie Petty's build and the way the film's shot—it's almost—it's it, it, as ripped and abbed as a, as, as a sort of a, a, any male stuff would be, and it isn't as a sexual thing. She's just literally got an open shirt. You don't have the deep cleavage, you don't have the sort of the soft flesh that you would get in a, a male glacier film. She's presented as a he said a functional person. Um, in many ways, this shouldn't be notable, but but in, or in many films, this is, it is a notable difference to a lot of films but the way you say the way it treats its men and its women are very different things that we don't have i mean whilst at this time keanu reeves has become you know he is certainly a good-looking man he isn't a pinup, and certainly straight swayze at this point in, the, in this version of the film isn't a pinup. um mm. in the way that we think of say traditional hollywood stars to be pinups, um but the way these films is shot it's so you know it's it's skin-tight wetsuits it's men stripped to, the, to their waist it's um it's during utah having a shower you know the, the the traditional female roles in this film of of the lingering shots of them doing slow motion action, washing themselves, or performing performing activities, are is given over to to the the men characters.
1: Mm. It's something that you have, and it's another scene. I suppose towards the beginning or getting on for the for the middle part of the film, it's in the beginning of the second act is. Um, they're sitting around the fire and it's the start of, like you just mentioned, where the, the narrative begins to slow and they spend more time with the surfers. And it's it's sort of interaction between uh, Brody and the other surfers and um, Brody and Utah. And it's just, it's kind of, it's a sort of throwaway comment from, from Laurie Petty's character, but it's not really a throwaway comment at all, and it just struck me and I wrote it down. It's something that I thought, well, actually, that's Catherine Bigelow there. That's a woman in the middle of this testosterone-fueled industry at the beginning of the 90s, well, still 20-odd years later. 25 years later and then Tyler said at a moment in the conversation she paused and said well there's too much testosterone here. Mm. You think actually yeah you've you've got something there you've you've captured something something like the essence of this film.
0: I think th- this is where something like surfing um, becomes an excellent foil or an excellent certainly allegory for this sort of change of um as you said machismo and of, of masculinity you know we haven't that it isn't about you know johnny utah trying to be a better surfer than bodhi it isn't about that the, the surfing is about them versus the ocean it's about them finding themselves mm. it isn't a sort of thing where you can you know arm wrestling or or, or kickboxing like that where it's a combative sport the closest they get to that is when you are doing the skydiving, and there is this—you know, who's going to
1: chicken out first? Even so, in that case, it's it it is competitive. There is competitive element, but it it's me against the elements.
0: But and even that, but even when they do have this kind of moment of pulling out with the um, it big it is. That's when the relationship starts to sour. That's when they're starting to um, the things starting to fall apart, and people and then and the secrets are being revealed. So the moment of not wanting to pull the um. Core, that's like they then the all secret reveal it, and then it becomes back to being agent versus bank robber rather than man versus man. And that's that, that, that there's a change in dynamic there. But I think it's very interesting that they chose something like surfing, which is a, a sport and a physical activity, but it isn't a combative one, it's a competitive one. Um, mm-hmm. in the way that some other and there have been rip offs of this film, there have been other versions of this film where you know they bond over sports that becomes the that that kind of thing.
1: It's an interesting one because, I mean, surfing's, I know, it's, it's something you, you've spent more time doing than I have. Um, it's an interesting activity and it seems to be a sport but gets derided and people say well there's not a competitive element so you can't call it a sport and then other people saying well ridiculous it's a physical activity and you can show prowess in it Mm. you show incredible talent and strength in it and there seems to be it, it it's one of those sort of liminal things in in a similar way although completely different but the way that things like golf and darts and snooker get sort of People arguing about the classification of them on completely the other end. I'm not suggesting they're, they're similar in that way, but it's, it's a sport that people, it's an activity that people seem to argue about a lot. And I think it can be that presence of a competitive element. It seems to be a, a, the, the lack of a competitive element. And people who are into sports, who are jocks or who are. Particular fans of certain competitive sports, maybe they just don't know how to deal with surfing. Mm. I think that that, 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 that's the thing. It it is
0: one of those sports, and that it it isn't quantifiable in that same respect. The other thing I want to touch on previously, before we before we move on to some recommendations, is this other idea that had nagging in my head, and the idea, I suppose, of the soul of America um and this is a prep salmon so I'm, I'm, I'm gonna have to fly my pants here but in many ways the name johnny utah couldn't be more fake okay um yeah. you know they very different always, everyone knows the phrase johnny foreigner um and it feels in that same kind of you know no one's really called you know someone's called john bull you know like no one's really called johnny utah
1: you have um, the character of Johnny Appleseed as well, who is quintessentially American. Yeah, it, it, but you right, its the same thing. It's—it's it's a character who—who's not a real person. Exactly. He, hes
0: almost a, a, an avatar for America. And then you've got Bodie, who uh, be Bodie short for I think Bodhi's not Bodis here, but um, a a sort of a Eastern um sort of. Religious leader, I suppose, in many ways, and this kind of this conflict between these two, and the sort of the a the harmonising of the two, and but the eventual destruction of the two, and I felt that the film didn't it didn't go too far down this line certainly, but you had that like, the film was doing things in terms of dealing with this. You know, you got Tyler. You said Tyler is a is a very androgynous name. Hmm. Papas, um, played by Gary Busey essentially, it's father pap, papa, yeah, that's a father role, isn't it? it's a mentor role um, and that the film had apart from that, obviously all the surfers had very sort of um, non-gender names Roach, Gromit, that kind of thing, Babbitt um, War Child like, all these people had um, even, even the, the, the sort of the scariest, the scary, played by Lee Tegerson was called Rosie hmm. the film it's trying to sort of say something about this, the, the soul of America, and how Johnny Utah, the most American Americans, how it's faring in the '90s, and you know the change of the '80s into the '90s, in which sort of not the rise of counterculture that happened in the '60s, but the the '90s was a, was a time certainly for this kind of counterculture lifestyle. Mm. Um, and the film seems to be trying to deal with that. It, it does get lost in the way of other things going on at the time, but it certainly felt like it was. Doing something along those lines,
1: mm. yeah. I like it. I hadn't thought about those sort of the, the characters as iconic in that way. Mm. It's interesting, and I, I I've been thinking I've been thinking about the relationship between Utah and Bodie. I hadn't really thought about the the names of them.
0: It, it, yeah, I mean, it, it, I mean, they do say what what Bodie is short for, and I can't remember offhand what that was. But it just felt, during Utah, was, as someone hear it, I just thought, that isn't that isn't a real name. That's, that's you know, you're looking at some sort of, you know, um, some sort of, you know, traditional Italian theatre where there's called the Joker or the Prince. In in that same kind of, same kind of tradition of not yeah. really being a person, but maybe just being a set of ideas, you know, it's Punch and Judy. Yeah. Um, in that same kind of sense. I don't think they went anywhere with it. I don't think they kind of hammered him a point there. But I think, one of the powers of this is that you know if he was called lee you know lee terrigan you no know, some a random name it wouldn't have the same kind of staying power as johnny utah which is as american as apple pie you know he's, he's ex-quarterback he, he's so american it's it almost seems unreal
1: Hmm. it's all i mean i i felt that i didn't I suppose I didn't, didn't really think about his his background much, and then when you have the the American football game and he comes into his own and you see him as a, a former quarterback, and that that was that was the thing I thought I I have that phrase going through my head. It's almost too good to be true, like if your cover as an FBI agent going surfing was that you had been a football star and that was why you were a jock and that was why you were able to relate to these people then it seems a bit ridiculous that you actually were a quarterback Like mm. you actually do inhabit this role it did there was something kind of unreal about about him at that point
0: yeah i i, I agree so sam do you have some recommendations for us for further watching for the reading
1: yes um, a couple, um, both character led this week. First one is, um, it's a, I suppose, a, a route one suggestion. It's John, John McGinley, um, and it's his, his role, his, his famous role in TV, not in film. It's, it's Scrubs, but it's not just for him, it's for that. Um, quick editing that you you mentioned right at the beginning and it's the way that it just sort of snaps into these scenes between Harp and Utah with him him sort of doing his, his Trey McGinley shouting, sarcastic quick fire, talking at someone else and I just thought well this is what made Scrubs really good at the start and yes it got ridiculous and it jumped the shark and by the end of the series it wasn't really worth watching but right at the beginning the relationship between um, McGinley's character and that of what's his name, the actor also director Zach Braff Zach Braff, that's it. The relationship between Braff and McGinley was was Something to to watch that series for. The editing was really good. Fair enough, brilliant. Um, second recommendation is one of the Surfers, Nathaniel, played by John Philbin, and it's just a straightforward recommendation for another film that Philbin was in around the same time. It's 1993's Tombstone. This is brilliant, that's why. Brilliant. So...
0: You, Rob. So I've got two once again. Uh, one actor, one thematic. Actor is we talked about her a lot. Uh, the character of Tyler is played by Laurie Petty. Um, and while she hasn't gone on to rock the world, she certainly did rock a little bit of the world back in '95 when she she starred in Tank Girl, adaptation of the comic um, from Martin Allen and Jamie Hewlett. This was it's it's anarchic, sitting there in the far future she brings the same kind of um delivery that she brought to tyler to this if not amped up to 11 it's it's brilliant basically it's brilliant in every single way it's got it's got support from nemi watts ice team mark mcdowell and cusack iggy pops in it it's an amazing slice of 90s sci-fi weirdness and if you haven't checked out i can i only can only think think a good thing about it my second recommendation is a thematic one um, and in many ways this film is a is a stealth reboot of of the franchise. It's not the reboot of the franchise, which was terrible. This is 2001's The Fast and the Furious. Whilst the series has gone on to be very different things over the seven, eight um, films that's come out come since, The Fast and the Furious essentially is the very same film but with street racing rather than surfing, even down to the FBI agent. Um, who, or in this case, is a police officer, who goes into cover and ends up siding with the um, with the criminals. It doesn't end as darkly, and it certainly has certainly a happier ending, but it's essentially the same film and deals with the same concepts. And once again, you've got an actor like Paul Walker as the lead and Vin Diesel, who aren't traditional uh, male pinups, and then you've got support from people like Michelle Rodriguez, who certainly isn't the traditional female pinup it doesn't do as, as well as as uh, the point break in handling these themes but it's still certainly there under the surface um it's a good film it's a great film and it went on to aspire, inspire many amazing films some not so amazing um, but it is very much the same sort of film and same sort of ideas as that first film great so guys that's our first episode of season three we'll be back next week with the next in our catherine bigelow month till then you can find both of us on twitter at
1: you find just me at life underscore academic
0: and you can find just me at rob kaiju and we'll see you back here next week Prestige is a Kaiju Industries production. Check out their other work at facebook.com
1: forward slash Kaiju Industries.